You're listening to the Gate Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. I'm really excited uh, today because we have the privilege and opportunity to hear uh, from two individuals and, and one couple uh, from our church share their testimonies. They're going to be sharing their testimonies of God's grace and faithfulness in their lives. And it's always great uh, to set, a, set aside time as a church um, to hear about how God is, is moving and how this is, you know, this is real in, in our lives and, and how he's, he's doing good things and amazing things. So uh, it's going to be good and hopefully encouraging for all of us to hear from them this morning. Um, but before I call them up to do this, to do that, uh, I want to take a few minutes myself to share a couple thoughts with you on the subject of testimonies and uh, hopefully bring some encouragement and also maybe a little conviction uh, as to why we should be eager and, and ready and willing to share our testimonies with one another as well. Um, and yes, with that being said, I know that, that many of us here, especially um, the insurmountable amount of introverts in the room, um, I know that, that we don't want to seem self-centered in our conversations, so we usually try to avoid talking about ourselves uh, or whatever, right, which, which is fine. It's, it's good to listen and be selfless in, in our relationships, but certainly not at the expense of our calling as Christians, not at the expense of our calling as Christians. Besides, our testimonies, if, if portrayed accurately, aren't really about ourselves anyways. They're, they're about Jesus, right? They're about what he's done for us. The glory is his, how he saved us from our sin, how he's directing our lives or, or sanctifying us or bringing us to maturity, right? So when it comes to sharing our testimony of how, of how Christ is, has changed and is changing our lives, uh, we should be willing, and more importantly as Christians, then we should be both excited and ready to tell it to others. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So yes, be gentle, be respectful, all that, that's good stuff. But in the same vein, be prepared, be ready to make a defense for the reason you have this hope in you. Right? First of all, being ready to make a defense is, is definitely knowing the Word of God, being familiar with the Word of God, understanding the message of the Gospel. Even having a handle on some apologetics can help in some situations. But another part of the reason that we have this hope is because we've experienced it. Right? Because as individuals, in, in our own unique way, we know firsthand what it's like to be part of God's story of redemption. And we are part of God's story. We are part of God's story. That's, that's one of the beautiful realities of each of our testimonies. That they're a reminder for us and those that we share it with that we're each playing a part in something bigger than our autonomous selves. Right? Our testimonies are a glorious proclamation that through Jesus, God has, has prepared a place and a role for each of us in his grand narrative that began with Genesis 1.1. Bill Clem, he writes in his book, Disciple Getting Your Identity from Jesus, he writes, 
God reveals himself through the lives of people. And when people realize they are part of God's story, they become one of the most profound means of revealing God to others. This is the most meaningful role a created being can have in relation to his creator. So this is our calling as Christians on earth, to reveal the reality of God to others. To reveal to the world that this is God's story, right? And he's invited us through Jesus Christ to play a valuable and meaningful role in it. And again, our verbal testimonies of of what Jesus has done for us and how and why are a significant way that we're called to proclaim this reality. In fact, Jesus often instructed people to do just that. Sometimes he told them not to, and and they did anyways. And sometimes he specifically told them to. In one particular case, after casting demons out of a man, this man begged Jesus to go with him. And and this is how Jesus responds. Mark 5, 19 to 20. It says, And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. And then in, in another instance, when Jesus proclaimed his good, good news of, of eternal salvation, uh, that he was the living water to, to a Samaritan woman at a well, a woman who Jesus knew was also living an adulterous life. Right? So his, his message of grace was so profound, though, and so exciting for her. That, he, that Jesus didn't have to tell her to go, to go tell everyone about him. She, she just went ahead and did it herself. John, John 4, 28 to 29. says, then, leaving her water jar, right, she just left what she was doing because she was so excited, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who, who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And the result, they came out of the town and made their way toward Jesus. This is what our testimonies do. This is what our testimonies do. They, they draw in or invite people to see Jesus for themselves. Our testimonies say, come and see Jesus. Have you ever wondered why in, in the, the Gospels, which are themselves eyewitness testimonies of Jesus' followers, but... Have you ever wondered why the Gospels always tell of great crowds that gather wherever Jesus went? You know, how, how did everyone hear of this Jesus? Where did these great crowds come from? Obviously, it wasn't through advertising. They didn't, they didn't have that back then, right? Rather, it, it was through word of mouth. It was through word of mouth. It was because those that experienced his healings and his forgiveness and his teachings or just witnessed these things, they told others about him, and word was spread. People heard about it, and those people told other people about him. It was the testimony of those who were affected by Jesus that brought others to his feet, where they then could hear his message of good news for themselves. And again, that's what's so amazing about our personal testimonies. As we proclaim how Jesus meets each of us where we're at, we, we encourage and we bring others to sit at the feet of Jesus as well, so that they then can hear and respond to the gospel. And this, this technique was, 
often used by the apostles in their ministries and, and letters to the churches, constantly sharing their own experiences uh, with Jesus and testifying personally to his deeds and to his grace and lordship. The apostle Paul specifically did this, um, standing in chains in front of King Agrippa, for example, in, uh, as it's told in Acts. He shared his story of how Jesus redeemed him and, and brought him from being a self-righteous and zealous Pharisee to, to a repentant, forgiven, and passionate follower of Jesus Christ. And he shared his story of a way of working in the good news of the gospel. He also used his testimony this way in front of uh, other fellow Jews and, and other believers as well, all with the intention of not drawing attention to himself, but pointing everyone unto Christ as the reason he was who he was. Every time he told his testimony, it was giving glory to God. It was preaching Christ crucified. And even though, let's be honest, most of our testimonies aren't as crazy as as the Apostle Paul's testimony, still the reality is your, your testimony is just as real just as significant and useful for revealing God's glory, his faithfulness, and the saving grace of Jesus Christ as anyone else's. And though your story is also unique and it's your own, the bottom line is we're all sinners saved by grace. We all have the same issue and therefore the same Savior. So maybe, just maybe, your story of being saved by that Savior is what someone needs to hear to prepare their hearts or bring them to that place as well. But also the, the fact that our stories are unique is another, incre- is another incredible thing about our testimonies. Whether, whether your journey to the cross was more of a started as more of an intellectual one or, or as a result of getting over addictions or, or through deep study of the word or, or, or because you grew up in the church or maybe it's through conviction of guilt and shame. Whatever your unique journey is that brought you to repentance, that brought you to the feet of Jesus, they're all reminders. All our unique stories are reminders that Jesus meets each of us in different ways and meets us as individuals where we're at. And that's beautiful. No matter who we are or what we've done, Jesus will meet us there. Which means that each of your unique testimonies speak to that truth. Speak to that reality that the grace of Jesus is for anyone. That Jesus will meet anyone where they're at. So as Psalm 107, 1-2 declares... It says, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. The NIV version says it like this, Psalm 107, verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Christians, we've been redeemed by the Lord. And we live in the reality and fullness of that redemption. Growing and experiencing it daily. 
So tell your story. Let the world know that they can experience what we know to be true and wonderful and challenging, yes. Tell them. Tell the world how Jesus saved you. How it's changed you. How, how God continues to bless you. How you're able to persevere and still find joy through times of suffering and, and, and current struggles. Tell them why your life has, has deeper purpose and hope. And tell your story so that God is glorified in our lives and, and, and for what he's done in your life. Tell your story so that it can encourage other believers who might be going through hardship or doubt. Tell your story so that it can bring non-believers to the feet of Christ where they can hear the good news. And in the same vein, let our story be a constant reminder for ourselves as well of acknowledging with humility where we've been and how far God has taken us from when we were blind to where we now see, from where we were walking in darkness to, to now being in the light. Let this be a reminder so that we won't forget to give thanks in our own lives to the Lord for his goodness and steadfast love. So again, and in conclusion, tell your story. Share your testimony to to anyone who will listen. Because our personal stories represent and proclaim a greater narrative and reality of God's saving grace through Jesus Christ. And the world needs to hear it. And with that being said, we're now going to hear from four individuals who are going to share part of their testimonies. First, I'm going to call up my dad, actually, Randy Esselman. He's going to come share his story. And then after him, Terry and Annie. And then after him, Harold Friesen will be sharing as well. So let's give him a hand for being willing to come up and do that. Hi, everyone. Uh, I've walked through many different experiences over the last 68 years. But one thing was certain, God never left me, even when I had no idea who he was. And he continued to pursue me despite myself. When I was young in elementary school, I did go to church, encouraged by my boy Cubs leaders. But I went alone. My parents Both wonderful, loving people weren't churchgoers, although they never discouraged me and even gave me money to put in the offering. But when I left the Cubs, and due to peer pressure as well, as you know when you get in your teens, I also left the church. In fact, it wasn't until I was 28 that I actually ended up returning to the church. And that began, and that whole story began, when I became totally interested in this beautiful Christian girl that God placed in my life, through a blind date, no less. So I look at my life as two separate chapters, before Jesus and with Jesus. Before Jesus, it was all about me. During and after my high school and university years, it was all about the parties and other idiotic and foolish ventures, and surrounding myself with friends who thought the same. When I was young, I thought I was invincible, of course. Sometimes I reflect back on some of my actions and know I came through them alive only by the grace of God. 
he did have other plans for my life. Spiritually, I tried many different paths and read about a lot of different religions other than Christianity. I explored New Age stuff, Eastern religions, and many other attempts explaining why we exist. But none of these rang true. And most seemed to be just twisted knockoffs of Christianity anyways. In fact, not being able to find the answers to my question caused me to go through a time of depression, causing me to wonder if life had any reason whatsoever. I traveled extensively in my youth. God kept showing up in the most unusual ways. Like when I read The Great Lion of God, the story of the Apostle Paul. Where'd that come from? And while I was in England, I had some very interesting jobs over the years, got along well with pretty well everybody, but there was still that large spiritual hole that I just couldn't fill. When Anne came into my life through the blind date, I was uh, at what could be termed a crisis of faith. The road to belief in Jesus began with her, and it was not all that smooth. Anne and I had many long talks about Christianity, as I was just not content with her Christianese answers. Unfortunately, I sometimes left her in tears because I was so cynical. To turn my life in a different direction, to leave behind my friends and in some cases my family, I needed a solid and indisputable reason. Thankfully, God and Anne never gave up on me. And together we searched the meaning of Christianity together, forcing me to break down existing walls and also helping her to come out of her comfort zone. As a result, I found myself being drawn more and more to this person named Jesus. I started going to church with Anne and met a pastor who was willing to answer many of my questions, and I had lots of them. I gave my life to Jesus. Matthew 7, verse 7, certainly speaks to my life. It says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. I asked, Is this all there is to life? I searched the Bible and other books to find something wrong with Christianity. I failed. I knocked, and God opened up a new relationship with me as his child. With Jesus, and after finding Jesus, Anne and I were married. We have based our 39 years together on our faith in Jesus. We have had three amazing children who married three equally amazing people and have seven terrific grandchildren, all of whom believe in Jesus as their Lord. We've had some tough times, but God has always been faithful. We've been used by God to teach, guide, love, pray for, and bring others to the Lord. And I am so thankful and blessed to help Anne and I, Anne and I to continue to learn about him. He led us to research into a wide field of Bible prophecy. My research in this field, which is fully 30% of the Bible's content, has not only helped answer so many of my remaining questions, but has also solidified my belief that God is who he is. Prophecy is the thread 
that unites both Old and New Testaments. Not only does it point to what has been, but also shows what is happening now and what is to come. God's prophecies have never failed to come true. But I want to leave you with this. You know, the book of Proverbs has many verses about fools. But I found Psalm 14, verse 1, sums it up the best. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. I was a fool once. I'm so thankful that God never gave up pursuing me and changed my stubborn heart. Thank you. Thank you, Dad. Um, now I'd like to call up uh, Terry and Annie. Come on up. Okay, so we're Terry and Anna, and my story is quite a bit different than Randy's. My story will start probably back when I was about 8 to 10 years old. I was in a situation with a very aggressive person. And I felt I was going to be in trouble. So I did what every child would do. I ran away. And I went downstairs and I hid in in a dark area. And I just, I was asking or something. And then I, I felt this thing come over me. And he told me, he says, don't worry. I'll take the pain from you. And I never felt the beating that I got. But this opened my eyes to something greater than myself. So for my entire life, I've lived with God from one way or another, and I failed him endless times. But just like Randy, he never gave up on me. So that's when my dealings with God started. But now we're going to talk about what we just kind of recently had. We were, we were struggling for a long time. And every time the situation came, there was something there. Like, we went through the year... I'm paying part of this bill and part of this bill. Well, eventually it adds up. And then at the end of the year, I get a tax return, and it's pretty much that plus a little bit. This happened for two years in a row, and I, I give all thanks to God for that. He never let us go completely without. So we owed lots of money, and he would give us another start so then we're doing our stuff and our van died so we were given a a van or a car from a, a, a family member to just use and we did what we could for probably almost a year and we weren't taking everybody to church, and we, we weren't doing a lot of things as a family, and we never said nothing to no one. So then my one son got sick and got took into Calgary. He's type 1 diabetic now. And I remember I was sitting there, and well, 
with Anna, and was very, we were very stressed because this is a, a lot that we need to take on. So then God said to me, I need to share. So then we called over Greg, and Greg came over, and through talking with Greg and all the prayers of everybody here, we were privileged to receive a vehicle and to uh, we got gift cards we took this gift card money and we used that to get food and put other money towards bills so we got our bills to some degree caught up God tells me to do things and I do it and I don't know why but I've never in my 38 years ever heard of him not coming through when you need it you have to ask and I'm a prideful guy I don't like to share I don't like to talk but for God I will do anything Spirit of God moved a mountain that was on my front door just from the kindness of all of you and all I had to do is ask That's pretty much it. Oh, and plus, also, just for, you know, anything. Um, when we go to Calgary to do a diabetic appointment for Joey, a select few people got selected to uh, receive a free parking pass. And we were one of these people, not even from Calgary. On a pure chance day, this person happened to be standing there and gave us a free parking pass because we had to spend such time doing this stuff for Joey in Calgary. These situations have happened all so many times, and I can't I can't bring words to explain it. Or I'm sure you guys all know it, but it is it is enlifting to know that you're not alone. That you don't have to do it by yourself, but you have to you have to humble yourself to ask. Thank you. Thank you. And now, last but not least, Harold. Let's give him a round for coming up. Oh, thanks, guys. That was uh, that's good stuff. Uh, yeah, I thank God for uh, this church family and his body. We can come together, pray for one another, support each other. And, uh, yeah, learn about his love together. Psalmists are always uh, willing to take things further than I am when they talk to God. You know, quite often there's uh, crushing, tearing apart, destroying, blood involved. I'm going to read from Psalm 42, not all of it, just part of it. It's God's holy, inspired, authoritative word. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? So things are looking fairly bleak for the psalmist at this point. And uh, from the outside in, people are looking at him, and he looks like uh, he's been abandoned by God. A little further down, he says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? So he's talking about his feelings and his emotions. 
and uh, maybe feelings of guilt, not feeling good enough. Uh, but I like what he does here. He turns it around. He reminds himself of God's truth, and God's promises to him. He says, put your hope in God. So he talks to himself. He reminds himself. And quite often these, these things in the back of our head that tell us you know, that we aren't good enough. But we need to know God's word. And he says, for I will praise him, my Savior and my God. So he knows that he will praise God again. He's not there yet, but he will. So I want to tell you a little bit about Don and myself and our life together. We got married. And uh, we weren't sure we were going to be able to have children. We started fostering. And then we did have two beautiful children of our own. I always wanted to be self-employed. And God blessed us with a small business. We were never very well off financially, but God always met our needs. We rented for a while. We were living in an old mobile home. And then God blessed us with the house that we have now, which was a huge, major blessing in our lives. My dad passed away during this time. My mom battled her first round of breast cancer. Dawn was doing books for her business and started an internet sales business when our kids were small so she could stay home with them. We sold the first business and started a construction company. And then my mom had her second battle with breast cancer. And it took time and resources to support her during that. Dawn's family had a major dispute and it led to four years of no contact. We lost our business due to the inability to collect payment for work done and the financial stress of supporting my mom before she passed. We lost our church family due to conflict, division, and power struggles, and it caused the church to close. We started going to another church in our community because we knew it was important to be part of a church body. We had a large youth group. We thought maybe that would be good for our kids, but we never did feel part of that congregation, and our kids started to drift away. After losing the construction business, I never thought that I'd get into construction again. Um, we went back, I went back to uh, college and uh, started to pursue a counseling career because I've always enjoyed being with people. But God brought me back into construction, and he blessed my career greatly until a couple years ago when I got laid off. Don closed the Internet sales business because it no longer was making money and began administration and bookkeeping. And God blessed her career greatly. She went back to school, did business administration, enjoyed bookkeeping until a couple years ago when she got laid off. Don and I have had marriage struggles over the years, and we've sought counseling. I don't believe we'd be together if we hadn't have done that. 2005, we started coming to the gate, and there's a lot of young people here, and we thought that, that would be good for our children as well. Last three years, we've been struggling financially. Our income has gone down to a less than a third of what we've been making. And we struggle daily. We don't know if we're going to be able to meet our financial obligations. But God uses people to take care of us when we are unable to. And like Blair said last weekend, what we have here is a relationship and not a religion. And our relationship with God is good right now. We're spending time in prayer, in the Bible studying, talking about him, and being totally dependent on him because there's nothing we can do to change our circumstances. I would not exchange financial security for the closeness that we have with God right now. And like the psalmist, and many of you probably experienced uh, despair and sorrow more deeply than we have, and Greg said in a sermon a couple of years ago, he said, God is readily available 
through Jesus Christ, through his word, by prayer, through the message on Sundays, through his people, community groups. To wrap it all up, we need to love each other because we need each other. And like Epaphras in the book of Colossians, we should be wrestling in prayer for each other so that we can stand firm in his will. Thanks. Well, thank you so much to those who shared. Uh, it's very brave of you to stand up here and, and stand in front of everyone and, and, and talk, for, first of all. Uh, but the fact that you were willing to share your stories uh, of, of what God's doing in your life um, is, is amazing. And, and I found it incredibly encouraging. Um, it's awesome to hear my, my dad's testimony because that directly affects me and affected my life. I probably wouldn't be standing here today. You guys probably wouldn't be here today. Uh, <laughs> none of this would be happening if it wasn't for my dad's testimony and for what God did. And that, that reflects generation to generation, right? And um, it's amazing to hear uh, Terry and Annie's story how that, and how that was also a testimony of, of our church and what God's doing in our church and, uh, and, and the generosity being expressed. And, and um, Harold's story, you wouldn't exchange anything for the closeness you have with God. And it's amazing to see how God is able to work through uh, what you guys are going through and, and to reveal himself more and more to you through this. And, and so I thank you for, for being willing to share. That's, that's, that's amazing. And um, I'm going to pray for, for, for those who shared and, and also just for everyone here. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are the living God. That you're, not, that you're not distant, but that you are active, that you are present, that you are real in our lives. And I thank you that that, that was reflected in, in the testimonies that were shared this morning. Lord, Lord I pray for, for, for my mom and dad. I pray for Terry and Annie and, and for Harold and Don and, and for their relationships, their, their marriage, Lord. I pray that you would strengthen that. I pray that, that you would continue to move in their lives and continue to... to to direct them, and, and I, I thank you that, I pray that you would bless them for being willing to share this morning, and I pray that their testimonies would, would not go, uh, would not be for nothing, Lord, that, that you would not let their words go void, Lord, but that, that you would uh, use the, those testimonies to, to encourage us and, and, cha- and, and affect us and draw us closer to you ourselves, Lord God. I pray that you would continue to encourage them to share more and that it would be an encouragement for us as well to continually share our testimonies for others. Uh, just, just knowing how much uh, hearing, hearing their testimonies affected our hearts, Lord, it should, you know, I pray that it challenges us to, to, to realize how important our testimonies are for others as well, Lord God. Yes, and I, I thank you so much. Um, for what you're doing in their lives, for what you're doing in our lives. And and we give you all the glory, Lord God. We give you all the glory. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so again, we just heard three testimonies, all all about different parts of their journey. All three of them were unique. And they were all powerful, right? All affecting. Because they, they carried and proclaimed one common denominator. God's faithfulness, his grace, his mercy given to us through Jesus Christ. First John five 
10 to 12 says it like this. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony. This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his Son. So whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life through Jesus. All of our unique testimonies proclaim this truth. That Jesus is the way. That Jesus is the truth. That Jesus is the life. That because of him, because of his life, death, and resurrection, because of his grace and love poured out upon us, we've been changed. So we have this testimony within us. Revelation 5.12 says it like this, And they have conquered the accuser by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That's how we overcome. And this testimony is, is what we proclaim and remember when we receive communion as well. That through Jesus, by his body that was given for us, which is represented by that cracker there, and his blood that was shed at the cross, which is represented by the juice, the weight of our sin has been overcome. The power of death has been overcome. Darkness has been overcome. Our guilt and our shame, our sin, has been overcome. Jesus has overcome. Jesus is the word of our testimony. So as we receive communion right now, let our partaking of the body and the blood of Christ be, the, be a testimony of the power of the cross in our lives that God gave us eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. So I invite you now, when you're ready, you can take time to, to pray and humble yourself, examine your heart. So when you're ready, I invite you to come to the table, grab the elements to remember, to receive, and to proclaim in faith Jesus' body given for you and his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. So when you're ready, you can come and receive it.